Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Parenting with Impact. You'll notice Elaine didn't say welcome. She's the one that gets to say welcome all the time. I'm Diane, and I got to say welcome today because (laughs) Elaine's going to be on the hot seat. Are we going to say that? No, Elaine's the guest today, along with Tracy Lefebvre, who is one of our coaches, And we're going to talk a little bit about gender and neurodiversity and all kinds of cool things. So sexual identity, identity, I mean, all of these things. And why don't, I don't know, Elaine, do you want to kind of kick off what the topic is? Yeah, well, I think you hit it. We want to talk about gender kids and sexual identity kids and neurodiversity and and the interplay between them. A lot of us are um, raising kids with gender diversity or differences of gender or sexual identity. And it's become really clear to Diane and me and in our community in the last year, how much more this has surfaced in the last couple of years to such an extent that we started a new community, a new online community for parents raising um, what do we call it? Gender and or sexual identity kids, or gender and or queer kids with yes. neurodiversity, right? Yeah. So there's there's this thing that's happening that's becoming much more prevalent that our kids are becoming more aware of as their generation embraces their differences differently than we did. And this is a conversation we as parents are having that many of us had never even heard of just a couple of years ago. So Tracy, our coach Tracy and I both have trans kids and both kids, both, well, I know I have a kid also with difference in sexual identity as well. And so we wanted to just have a frank conversation. So that's where we are. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation because there's, there's so much in it. Tracy, why don't you tell us, you know, the thumbnail of your story and then I'll kind of get to mine and then we'll see what we have to say about it. Yeah, thanks, Elaine. So I have two children. Um, One is uh, transgender, and one actually identifies as pan. So that means we're in kind of both sides of the of the queer community. And you know, it has been a discovery and a journey um, in supporting them. And you know, I look at it as really being based on having that relationship and those open conversations to explore alongside them, because that is what we are, I am doing as a parent is exploring this community. Um, Cause like you said, a couple of years ago, I didn't understand any of the terminology that I do today. And how, just for clarification, how old are your kids now and how old were they when they started to identify differently? Yep. So my youngest is 15 and he started I'll say and he 12, was but female assigned at birth, assigned female yeah, at birth. He, yes, he is assigned female at birth. And I, 
we'll say 12, it probably was more like around 11. Um, so it was definitely that middle beginning of middle school time frame. Um, and my oldest is now 19. And she, she was probably around the 15 year old age when she started, you know, the discussions too. Great. And for me, I'm the mom of three kids who identify in various ways. My oldest is now 27 and identifies as trans non-binary. And, and I would say, you know, if we look back in hindsight, the signs were there all of their life, but we didn't know that. They first started identifying as gay. They were assigned female at birth. They first started identifying as gay in their early teens came out officially in their late teens. And as I say with them, there was a series of coming outs over the years. <laughs> so that by the time they finally came out as trans non-binary, they did it on Twitter. And I picked up the phone and called and said, is there something you want to tell me? And they said, didn't we have that conversation? I said, no, sweetheart, we didn't. And then they said, well, for the record, we had it in my head and it went really well. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my oldest. My middle child, I identify, it goes by pronouns she, they, because there was something about the plural pronoun of feminine that doesn't connect for her, but she's, she's a she and she is gay, good old fashioned, the old word, right? <laughs> and then my youngest is actually, what did he, he used to term recently with me, I'm not going to remember it at the moment, um, but he is not typical conforming. What's the term, Tracy? You know, he's got long hair and he paints his nails, but he's, he was assigned male at birth and he identifies as male. He uses the he, him pronouns, but he's not gender conforming in the way that you might yeah. typically see. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, and, um, go ahead. And I was going to say what bubbled up for me too, which I think is kind of part of the story that I forgot is that, yes, with my youngest, who's the trans um, male, we probably knew all along and because of my age and background were the trans, he first came out as trans non-binary and then through discovery became trans male. And we just hadn't thought about that. We thought about the gay community part, which you mentioned, mm -hmm. but not, not the gender identity trans piece of it along the way. Yeah. So just to be clear what we're talking about, because I think it's so funny, you and I have both gotten so comfortable in this language that we forget that it's we're speaking a new language mm. to most people. Yeah. So there's kind of two areas of identity. One has to do with gender, which as my eldest describes it, gender is, is what's happening in your head. It's how you see yourself, your self-concept of, do I feel right in this body? Does the genitalia of this body match what I think of myself, right? And then sexuality, as they say, is, is who you want to be under the sheets with, right? So it's more- Or if you're asexual, who you want to be- yeah, right. Exactly. Or if you're asexual, but it, it has more to do with attraction than constructive awareness. So gender mm -hmm. is a self-awareness and sexuality has to do with attraction. And the other thing I want to say here, just to simplify it, is that the term queer has been reclaimed by this generation and it covers the whole umbrella of all of this that we're talking about. When we talk about kids with either gender or sexual identity differences, they all identify as queer. And it's a positive affirming term for them. So those of us who were raised in our generation who heard of that term as a slang or a slur, 
it is no longer, it is, it is now seen as a positive affirming term that they've claimed as their own. Well, and I know that we, um, I mean, I want to talk about the intersection between this and complex neurodiverse kids. And I also want to talk a little bit, and I think I want to start there with both of you as, as parents. It's just sort of, there's this journey that I know you both went through. And I'm guessing because you're both coaches that the fact that you are coaches kind of helped you in a different way. But talk a little bit about, Tracy, you alluded to this, you know, the communication and the conversations what was it as a parent? You know, did you have some of those, oh, holy crap moments? And how did <laughs> oh, you, <yeah. laughs> I'm sure you did, but talk about those, right? Because we're all yeah. coaches and people like, you know, we were there. It wasn't all smooth, right? So no, no, and that's in time. <laughs> right. And that's a great point because, um, so my youngest is ADHD and I, lovingly joked when he was small that he put the H in ADHD um, Mm -hmm. with the impulsiveness and all those things. So when it first kind of came to light, which unfortunately wasn't really his doing, uh, there was sort of a misstep in the school Mm -hmm. in the way they kind of outed him. And you know, there was that moment of like, is this impulsive? Is this just a, oh, it's a trendy thing to do. They're seeing it on TV. Is this part of, you know, that? So there was definitely that element. And then that's where the coaching, I think tools came in because I got curious, right? Like what, well, what is this? Are you trying to fit, you know, cause as a neurodivergent kiddo, he didn't have a lot of friends at that time. He didn't connect with kids, right? So is this a way for you to connect with others because you to belong somewhere yeah like to belong or Mm -hmm. is this really you know that internal site is this you know so we had to do a lot of exploration and you know conversations Mm -hmm. and I would say that because he didn't know you know he was afraid of how he was going to be received too, there was some defensiveness there, right? When I would ask what I thought was just a curiosity question and we had to work, you know, we had to work through that together. I totally hear what you're saying. Cause when, you know, as things progress and now my kids more than 10 years older than yours, right? So, so there was a whole different generation thing happening. And I remember, so, and, and the wildest thing. So my eldest is 27 there and my youngest is 20 and his best friend was assigned female at birth and they were raised together so i had this kid grow up in my house and i kept saying mm, they remind me of my old of bex right like and so when that kid started coming out and wanting to transition in their early teen and teen years at first i was like wait no this is just Like it's the same, you know, and then I realized, then I started going, wait a minute, maybe that's what we were missing with Bex because this kid 10 years or eight years later was able to express things that didn't even to any of our minds exist eight years before. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I'm, I'm not proud of it. Like when Bex first started coming out at, you know, 13 or whatever it was, they were, they were wanted to come out gay and the school counselor and we all said, okay, if you feel that way, maybe you shouldn't announce it to the whole class. And so not my most sparkling parenting moment by any stretch, but we kind of suppressed it because we were in those days afraid it was social suicide. 
Five years and, later, it would not have been. But at that time, we were still really worried. Right? Well, and I think that, I mean, you've had changes even in things like the DSM-5, right? It's just sort of, you. I think at some point, and I don't know whether it was when yours were, what age yours were, but, you know, you couldn't officially declare yourself gay until you were a certain age, technically, mm-hmm. is the way that it, it used to work, right? It's just sort of, and now we know, we know better. I mean, and, yeah, and that's... Well, I, and I don't even, I don't know about that. This was just about whether they came out to their class or not, because yeah. they had a crush on a friend and we, we thought it was going to ruin the friendship, which it turned out to ruin the friendship. <laughs> that was all other issue. And when no, you say that, it bubbles up for me too. You do have that fear, right? Like you're that fear of, are they going to get bullied? Are they going to be like, and that, you know, is my own fear from when I grew up, like right. you, you just kind of kept it hidden. You didn't come out. And so I had to deal with my own you know, mindset of kind of that catastrophizing of what was going to happen when the world doesn't need you. Right. Because you're so afraid as a parent that your kid's going to get hurt and that it's going to be so hard to live with this. It's like, do you really need to to make life harder for you than it's already going to be if it's a kid with ADHD? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, and yet I was talking to one of our clients in, in, in the UK who's got a kid with ADHD who has been really, really struggling with this kid. And the kid has recently come out as trans. And what the mom said is that she's getting more reception and more support from her friends and community with the kid coming out with a gender right. diversity than she ever has with ADHD. Like there's still this judgment. That. I would me too. Right. Because the because the ADHD is you're misbehaving and that means you're a bad parent. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Still. So talk a little bit about um, neurodiversity. What is it that makes it different? I'm guessing that sometimes a neurodiverse kid might be because of the impulsivity might be like, OK, this is me. I'm out here. Deal with it in a very different way. Like ta-da! I'm, I'm picturing Elaine's because I know I know them. But um what are some of the other things that you notice about neurodiverse kids that might be different than other gender kids even? I don't know that it, it's different, Diane. I think that what it is, is that they, I think, I mean, that actually hits it. You know, when I was doing the research, we did a presentation, my family did a presentation for the International Conference on ADHD on these issues. And I was, I, of course, mom's the one that goes and does the research because they already know this stuff. I had to catch up. I had to catch up. Um, But one of the things I learned is that there is a higher propensity of kids with ADHD and autism in particular, and on with kids with gender differences, gender identity and sexuality differences. And I don't know that it's causal or that there's any other correlation except for my gut, my hunch is that kids with ADHD have a harder time inhibiting it. Mm. You know, it's harder to Mm. suppress it if you have a, a condition that makes it harder to suppress anything. Yeah. And I would 100% agree with that. And because of the journey that we took and not only coming out, but in doing the medical transition, because, because we did, there was this impatience of like, why can't I just go by this name and do this and do that? Like, why is there a process? I don't understand why everybody can't accept it. And, And so that was more of the conversation too, is that, well, we have to do it legally and you have to do this and that. And it just takes time, you know, well, and it, and it does take time. And then when you've got a preteen or a teenager, you want to make sure they're not going through a stage, 
So like there's this, like you want to support them and meet them where they are. But, and I I don't know this from my own personal experience as much as I do from supporting so many parents through it. Like I want to, I want to meet them where they are. And what if next week they change their mind or next month? Like how did, how did you do deal with that Tracy? Cause you were dealing with kids at that age. Yeah, we also, we navigated for a while on our own. Um, yeah. And then we agreed that we actually found a wonderful um, trans therapist um, to help us navigate the conversation with him kind of in a safe space. Uh, and, you know, for us, when we got to the point that the psychologist, you know, said like, this is not, he goes, I, ta- I talk to kids and, you know, this is, this is a real thing. This is a real thing. This is not fleeting. Well, right. This, this is, is not fleeting. And in all the dots fell in line, but he said something to us that was so powerful. He goes, in my professional opinion, you could wait and we could keep assessing. He goes, but as someone who didn't transition until I was out of high school, because just different times, right. different parents, he goes, if you can support the journey now, you'll get to see your son become mm. a man because you'll be on with him on the journey as an adolescent versus one day this man just shows up at your door. Yeah. And so to me, that, that was really like, Oh, that got I get me. it now. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's so funny because I remember saying this to the parents of my son's friend, but I don't think I got it then. Like I did when you just said that, like there's something very powerful about like, we want to be with them, whoever they are. And, you know, again, our experience was different part because they're non-binary, right? right. And part because yeah. they were so much older, but there was this, what I will say is that when they did start, when they did come out as non-binary and when they did have, you know, top surgery, when they, when they did these things to, to really feel good in their body, better in their body, it's not that the gender dysphoria went away because I think there's a body dysmorphia, dysphoria that, that may, you know, may linger, hopefully will go away one day, but there was this shift in their whole way of being in the world that was more positive and more self-accepting and like, God, I wish I had had the ability to help them get there sooner because so many other things lifted when that huge weight started to lift. Well, so, and I want to, I want to take us back a little bit because again, I want to be aware of the fact that our audience is going to be in all different places, right? So you may have a kid who's like new in this process. You guys have been on this journey for a bit. What's coming up for me, uh, and I just did another podcast episode around divorce, where you were talking about the emotional, the emotional part of it and the practical part of it. And Tracy, (laughs) you were talking about the fact that you're, you know, when your, your child came out and said, Hey, this is what's going on for me. And they expect, and I have a client who did the same thing. It's like today, okay, you guys got to change. You got to start calling me this new right name now. You gotta, like, right yeah. now. And the reality is that these kids have been dealing with the emotional aspects of this and trying to make this decision for some period of time. And so by the time they say out loud to you, who are the most close person probably on the planet to them, I'm declaring this, the amount of bravery that it has taken them to get to that place. And then all of a sudden, you're trying to catch up, right? It's a sort of, and there's grief in there and there's confusion and there's fear. And there's, I mean, all of those things that we have as parents. 
And so what, I guess the question is, what advice would you give to somebody who's kind of in a, in that different place where it's like within the last six months or the last, or they're thinking their kid's going to come to them? What are some of the tools you want for those parents who are just kind of at the other end of the process? Well, for me, really, my biggest thing is to get the parent support so that you can process. I'm a verbal processor, so I love working with coaches and stuff like that because it helps me think out loud. Um, Because like you said, you do have, there are the stages, right? And some of it is grief. Some of it is transition. Some of it is honoring the child. Like, how are you going to navigate Christmas ornaments that have Mm -hmm. the family's name with the dead name on there? How are you going, you know, in our case, right? How are you going to... Or your entire um, photograph album of their entire childhood. Right. You Mm -hmm. know, and there's things like that because you want to honor who they are now. And that was where we came to together with my son is we were able to have these conversations like, look, you were still my baby. And I don't want those pictures destroyed because you've now decided to be, and not decided to be somebody else, but have honored and, you know, embrace that it's a, it's a shift. But I think for parents having a safe space mm-hmm. to process your own emotions, because like you said, Diane, and, and it was perfect. They already had, the time to kind of have that inner dialogue with themselves. And now you're there and you want to show up for them, but you've got to go through your own process too. So it goes back to that self-care, that support on, and your own journey in a safe space. So, you know, yes, everything you just said, yes, 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 yes. And what came up as you were coming up with that metaphor, Diane, or that stories, like we say to parents all the time, you've been thinking about something forever. You want to have this conversation with your kid. You can't just spring it on them because they haven't been thinking about it for weeks. And so you got to give them space to process it. And and this is just the reverse of that. As a parent, I, I did need some space to figure it out and process it. And I was being called upon to respond to it immediately and publicly, right? And so that was hard and that's fine. That's my issue. And, and one of the things I will say is that all of, when I say them, I mean, all of my kids were like, well, that's your stuff. You go deal with your stuff because you can't interfere with my stuff. And so, and partly that was because my kid was an adult. Partly it's, it's right. It's like, I got to deal with my stuff and they got to deal with their stuff. And I want to support them in their stuff. And I want them to respect that I do have my stuff to deal with. Right. And so, and, and what I found the hardest part was that it was hard for them to respect it because they wanted me to just, you know, shift. And what Bex did great at the beginning was when I would get the pronouns wrong, they would correct me without being mean. And when I would get it right, they would thank me. Yeah. And that was really helpful to acknowledge. Like, and so designing some of these conversations with your kid, and as Tracy is saying, get the support of a gender affirming therapist, somebody who's working with the family, um, get the support of a, of a gender affirming coach who's, who's supporting you or your family. I mean, we've been doing that way more this year than I think we any of us ever expected. But I love what you're saying is make sure you have somebody to help you be in constructive conversations with your kids because these can be really hard conversations to have. And sometimes it really helps to have someone else either navigating the conversation with you or giving you tools to have a healthier conversation with your kid. 
Well, and not only that, but your kids are going to be in different places as well. Elaine, your kid didn't yeah. need you to help them as much to process what they were going on, what's going on with them. And some of our kids do. Some of our kids yeah. need us to be able to shift enough to be able to go, mom, I'm really struggling with this. You know, don't deal with your own stuff. Be here for me and, and be able to be in that place. Tracy, you said it so beautifully of, of curiosity and just kind of being present for them in a very different And way. you still have to deal with it, even if it's yes. not till midnight. Like yeah. you've got to deal with your <laughs> you stuff. you got to deal with your own stuff. Yeah. Right. Because yep. this, the best advice I got, I did this interview with Linda Rogley at the beginning of, it was just this year, 2021. We're filming, we're taping this in 2021. And somebody wrote in with some, a lot of feedback and telling me some of the good stuff we did and some of the bad stuff we did. But the best advice they gave was if I can go back and remember my child as they instead of she. And then trans. And so for me, it was, I realized every memory I had, I had to translate from she to they. When I started trying to remember them as a they, it made it so much easier for me. And if you guys can't see, those of you who are listening, Tracy's like nodding like crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. So so was it similar for you? Yeah, and that was actually, I, I kind of got frustrated with myself because I realized we had made the transition and it had been a while and we were great. And then I found that sort of, I called it my mental glitch. It was when I would pull from the past, past yeah, into the future, I would just mess it up. And, and, you know, luckily my son, we had had that conversation. I'm like, you know, it's, it just kind of remind me cause it's not that. And it really was, it was when I would go inside. And so to your point is now that I've really worked on, nope, I've got to do that translation. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has shifted things too, but yeah, easier. the memories are the hardest part of the whole they thing are. in my opinion. Well, and just to put a plug in, I mean, the cool thing about that is we can do that, right? It's sort of, we can go back and rewrite cause they're memories. We can go back and rewrite the memories in a way that helps us to be more respectful of where our kids are now or, or, or less impactful, um, mm-hmm. by kind of surprising them with, with another but, and then you got to do the work because when yeah. you go back and you rewrite the memories, there's a, there's grief and loss and yeah. fear yeah. and all this other stuff that comes with it. Cause I used to have two girls and a boy, and now I have a boy, a girl and a Bex, yeah. you know, and that changes my entire history as a mom. Right. And that's okay. And I've got that work to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So we are, We've got some little bit of time left, but I would love to kind of hear you guys. Is there anything we haven't shared that you want to make sure parents are hearing about? And this, this we could do a whole other episode. We may we need to, to do say, another episode. So many things. So many. But things. you know, just a parting thought from each of you of you know maybe that one nugget that you want them to remember. I think what I would say is. When we have kids, when we start off in this journey, we have no idea who they're going to become. We do have a really strong vision often of who we want them to become or we think they're going to become or like we paint this picture of what we think their future is going to be. And that was just our imagination. And so as parents, if we can kind of enjoy that photograph, frame it, put it back, right? And start paying attention to who they are becoming instead of who we thought they were going to become. 
we can begin to help them paint a picture for themselves because what's really important is the vision they create for themselves in their life because they're the ones that, that get to live this life. So that's what comes yeah. up for me. Yeah. And that is perfect because um, what bubbles up for me all the time is a stoic quote, which is, and I modify it a little bit for the times, which is no person enters the same river twice. Mm -hmm. And it's not because the river is flowing. It's the river is flowing, but the person's not the same person. And, you know, that's the thing is like, I'm still my children's mom, but I'm not the same mom I was 19 years ago and they're not the same itty bitties that they were and it's a journey together yeah so if if we can do anything it's to help them paint the picture and the vision of their own future because really ideally we want to be part of their future and the way to be part of their future is to support them in creating their future Mm -hmm. love that love that Thank you, Elaine. Thank you, Tracy. What a great, great conversation this has been. And thanks to all of you who are listening for everything you're doing for kids and for yourself. At the end of the day, it makes all the difference. Just a reminder that in the show notes, we have created a new group on Facebook for parents of gender and or queer kids with neurodiversity. Um, We're not going to give you the link here, but in the show notes, if you'd like to join, um, we are screening it very tightly to make sure that it's a safe community for anybody who joins us. So you will not be admitted if you don't go through this, the, the answer, the questions and and share the information needed to, for access. And if you are raising kids with gender and or queer issues with neurodiversity, we strongly encourage you to join us in that community. It's been a really beautiful, robust conversation. It's a very diverse community and it's a great place to get some support for yourself. Thanks everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.